I'm Erin McGough. I make documentaries about resilience and create content to help people navigate careers in the film industry. And this is No Denying It, the United Nations Climate Action Podcast. Do you remember the space shuttle? It was a massive achievement of aerospace engineering and just plain massive. There were only six ever made, and each of them weighed 100 tons. Imagine those six shuttles lined up next to each other on an enormous airfield. Now, imagine 80,000 of them. Those 80,000 space shuttles would weigh the same as all of the plastic that's wound up in the ocean in the past year. Last year and the year before, it was the same. And if nothing changes, next year, it will be the same too. But what if there was a fleet of people already in a prime position to solve this problem? What if every fisherman in the world also started fishing for plastic? By 2050, there will be more plastic than fish in the sea. That's according to a 2016 World Economic Forum report about rethinking the plastic economy. My name is Lefteris Arapakis, and I am a social entrepreneur based in Greece. I am the co-founder and director of Enalia. When Lefteris says he's from Greece, maybe it conjures up images of mountains bursting out of a cerulean sea with white stone buildings climbing up the hills or brightly painted boats bobbing in the harbor under a clear blue sky. That's not where Lefteris lives. It's a real big city, around a million people. So it's just filling with these gray, tall buildings, actually pretty ugly. But what Copan says for this ugly city is that, you know, we are next to the sea. So the sea is amazing in the Mediterranean. And also we have these ancient Greek walls surrounding the city. So it's kind of living between the past and the future, something like that. Even though he grew up in Piraeus, the port in Athens, the sea didn't exactly call to him. I didn't really like fishing, so I'm really a terrible fisherman. I think I'm the worst fisherman in Greece or the Mediterranean. That was something of an anomaly in Lefteris' family. My family, they have been uh, fishermen for five generations. I'm actually the first one that didn't follow the traditional work and did something else. That something else is co-founding Analia, Greece's first fishing school, and an initiative to rid the Mediterranean of plastic. So this is the, the port of Piraeus. This is where we started our operation. Lefteris works with fishermen out of ports around Greece to bring in plastic that gets caught in their nets. The material is recycled, adding it to the circular economy, taking the plastic out of the waste stream and turning it into new things. Our vision is to be able to replicate this process in every part of the world that there is sea and fishermen, because what we do is a really simple idea. Every fisherman that is using nets definitely collects plastic from the sea. When we use a plastic bottle and then toss it away, we are interacting with that object for just a tiny fraction of its life. Before that bottle reached us, it was crude oil, extracted from the earth at a great environmental cost. And after we use it, the bottle could end up in the ocean, where it will slowly break down into smaller and smaller particles that will endanger the delicate balance of animal and plant life. On both ends, that bottle winds up contributing to our warming planet. What the fishermen say, they have a quote that's like, it was always better last year. Uh, every year is getting worse, you know, from now on. But it doesn't have to be that way. Well, I believe that uh, if you don't like something, then you should do something about that. Welcome to No Denying It. I believe altogether we, we can have a massive, massive impact. 
Lefteras Arapakis spoke with our producer, Rachel Ward. Do you see the effects of climate change in your environment, like on a day-to-day basis? Oh, oh my God, yeah. Especially in uh, this part of the Mediterranean, the rise of the temperature here, it's much faster than the, the rest of the world. Every year is the hottest summer ever. So every year we break that record. Every year we have less and less uh, rain, which is uh, devastating for the farmers. And yeah, from what I could see with my family, every year there was less and less fish on the one hand. And on the other hand, we were having more and more fish from uh, Africa. More fish that didn't belong to the ecosystem came to Greece. The local population is not eating that, so it has zero economic value. So it needs some years for the people to accept that this is our fish now. But the worst effect is that many of these fish, they are predators. So they keep on uh, eating the rest of the fish that the population, the ecosystem is consuming. With your family background in fishing, how did they react when you decided not to become a fisherman? It was kind of stigmatized, to be honest. Like when I decided to study the university economics, my father didn't agree with that, you know, because it was the easy way. It's lazy, you know, to study it's it's much better to go and work. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I have always been close to the sea. And uh, especially after I turned 18, uh, I was working at uh, midnight at the local fish market selling fish and, and stuff uh, to, to earn a living. What, what made you make that decision to go into economics instead of following in the sort of family tradition? First of all, to be completely honest, I was not seeing a future for the profession. Like, My father and the rest of the fishermen, they are complaining that every year they have less fish than before. And I studied economics because uh, Greece is in one of the heaviest economic crises of the century. So I was really feeling devastated about that. And I wanted to find out what we were doing wrong. How can we fix that? So I guess that's the reason that I decided to study economics. So how did you make the transition into environmental work or Was it something you were always interested in? So I was always a fan of protecting the environment, but I haven't imagined myself working in that field, to be honest. And it it happened kind of by chance. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you the story of how this happened. Back in 2016, we were at the peak of the economic crisis. 29% of unemployment and 59% of unemployment to youth. It was crazy. Uh, Half of my friends were going to other countries. I was studying and working at the same time, but it was really challenging. I also had offers to leave the country for another job, but I really wanted to create something. So one day I was discussing with my father and he was complaining, as a typical fisherman is. And uh, he was saying that, you know, they couldn't find enough personnel for the fishing boat. So I find that weird that we have so many unemployed people and, you know, the fishermen are asking for personnel. And together with a friend, we decided to start an alia, which in Greek means together with a fisherman. And our mission was to create uh, the first uh, school for fishing in the country. So we did that. We created the first school and we have trained more than 115 unemployed people to become fishermen and also to become sustainable fishermen. And when we were creating the curriculum of the fishing school, we decided to go on a fishing trip to see what's the whole procedure like. So there, what shocked me was that 
up to the point that the fishermen pulled the nets together with the fish they had caught uh, a lot of plastic from the sea like a lot bottles bags uh, old nets and what got my attention was like uh, a can of a soda drink which had uh, bleached from the years and as i was looking at i saw that the expiration year was 1987 so that thing was like 30 years in the sea and as i was looking that the fisherman took it from my hand and threw it back in the sea and he told me lefteris plastic is not our problem so i was shocked so we went back to the land and we were like we have to do something about that and uh, we realized that by 2050 there will be more plastic than fish in the sea so actually there is no use of getting there more fishermen if we will have no fish in a few years so we decided to act on that and what we did is we started uh, with some small fishermen from our local port in Piraeus and we told them guys you collect plastic in your nets you throw it back bring this plastic uh, mm-hmm. back to the port as a pilot you know right and uh, they did and we were really shocked because they were collecting like huge quantities wow. and the pilot was successful so this is when i decided to you know, really act on the environment. Tell me about going from sort of being in a pilot phase into what you guys are doing now. (laughs) That's a really nice question. So let's say in the beginning, we were really careful. There are so many good ideas, but we have limited time and resources. Uh, That's why we focus first on building the fishing school. So we did that. It ran okay, and then we started the pilots with the plastic collection. And the pilots were successful, and then we were having the a very big challenge, you know. So every year, at the end of September, the fishermen of Greece, they are in the ports because they are fixing the boats. That's the reason. And we are like, you know, if we don't do it now, we'll miss a whole year. We'll miss so much plastic that will stay in the sea forever. So we need to do something about that. So... We decided to take risks. We decided to start uh, implementing the project uh, even without funding because we really believe that uh, this work can make a difference and we couldn't afford for the planet to, to wait another year. And I don't know how to explain, but you know, in a couple of weeks after we started the work, uh, we secured the funding. So it was kind of a real weird, but since we really believed in what we were doing, I guess you know that persuaded people that we are willing to go all the way. Something like 95% of boats in the Greek fishing fleet are owned by uh, independent fishermen, and the operations are pretty small. It's just like a couple of people, maybe five people going out to fish. And my impression is that these guys are pretty used to their own rhythms, used to doing things their own way. So I'm wondering, was it easier or harder than you thought it'd be to get fishermen to join onto the project? I knew these people, so I knew how the procedure would go, but it's much harder than people would expect. They are strong, willing people, you know, living on their own, very independent, you know, being in the sea all day and night, not very social most of the times. So it's really hard to collaborate, but, you know, I'm one of them. You know, I'm coming from their family. They know my father. They used to know my grandfather. So I can speak their language. They understand me. They understand that. You know, this is a solution that provides value to the whole fishing sector and to the sea. Usually it's a rocky start, let's say, but then they really love the project. I'll give you an example. Like 
we were opening one of these, uh, you know, ports in North Greece uh, a few months ago, and the leader of the fishermen there told me, "Yeah, don't don't expect any of us that would bring plastic, you know, tomorrow night. Uh, nobody cares about the sea here." So. And I told him, "Are you going to bring plastic?" He said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," but uh, the rest of the guys are not going to do that. Also, the recycling company that we were working there, they gave us just one of these bins that you see in the cities and stuff. I told them, guys, that's too too small. And they said, if you fill it in a year, it would be a miracle. So anyway, the next night comes and all of the 33 fishing boats brought plastic in, in the port. We filled the port with plastic. We needed four of these bins just to cover the plastic from one night. Everybody was in a shock. And this guy, the leader of them, he told me, Wow. When I saw so, how much plastic we collected, I realized how much damage we were doing to the sea all these years because we're not bringing it back. He said, I'm living from the sea. I'm taking care of the sea and I cannot understand why I was doing that. And he says, that's going to change now. And this guy alone, let's say, he has collected from the sea more than 2,000 kilos of plastic. That's around 5,000 pounds of plastic from the sea. It's really crazy. Yeah. What, what are the other obstacles that you guys had to navigate uh, to get this up and running? It was a really hard process to convince recycling companies on what we can do. So I had to take some of their officials, you know, to the field to show them what's going on. It was also hard to find partnerships to integrate this plastic into the circular economy because a plastic coming from the sea is not like a regular plastic. It has like oysters and marine life on it. You need to clean it properly to use that. So it was a challenging procedure. I could say as challenging as persuading fishermen to collect plastic. <laughs> okay, so walk me through it. How how does the plastics program actually work? So gradually, we created partnerships with uh, recycling companies in the country. So we got like this these big containers and press containers that we put in the ports to store the plastic there. And when these containers are full... We created lines, so half of this material recycled locally, and the rest sent to upcycling partners. So let's say we send the plastic bottles to a fashion company in Madrid, and they turn it into fashion products such as uh, jackets, uh, backpacks, uh, shoes. And the nets that we collect, both from the sea and from the fishermen, we give it to an environmental organization in the Netherlands called Healthy Seas. And Healthy Seas is facilitating the upcycling of this product into new material, like swimming suits and socks. So for us, sustainability is creating value both for the human society and for the environment. So we teach the fishermen on how to make more money while they catch less fish. So we teach them techniques uh, such as uh, fishing tourism like uh, getting tourists on the boat and then you show them a traditional Greek uh, fishing experience, uh, catching fish, eating them on the boat. And in this way, the fisherman doesn't need to get like 100 kilos of fish a day, but just five kilos of fish, you know, and gets much more money. And of course, we have also the Mediterranean cleanup. We give them some reusable bags. And uh, then they put a sticker outside of the bag with the name of the boat. So they come to the port, they, they deliver the bags to our guy there, or girl. Now we have a girl there doing this work. <laughs> yeah. So in this way, we make sure that we know how much plastic each fishing boat is bringing so as to have a fair, you know, system. And the other thing is to make sure that uh, the plastic is coming from uh, the sea <laughs> and not from outside of the sea. And then we get a final confirmation from the recycling plant that, you know, yes, it's plastic from the sea. This is how much weight you collected. So we make sure everything is matching. 
and the fishermen get paid by weight, right? So there's this incentive to bring in the plastic. So it's not like a huge amount of money. It's not something they can live from. But it's a nice extra for an activity that they were doing anyway. And, you know, instead of throwing it back to the sea, they just bring it to the port. So in this way, you know, they can get their coffees or their cigarettes. Uh... And you told us that one of the guys that you work with, you you pay him in whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are many fishermen that they are not accepting uh, money. <laughs> so there was one guy, I was at the port, it was around midnight, and he came, you know, from the sea and stuff with the plastic and the fish. And he told me, hey, Lefteris, uh, I just wanted to talk to you. I, I, I'm not accepting money. And I told him, okay, is there anything, you know, we can give to you back, you know, for your effort? He said, hmm, maybe some alcohol I could use. And I told him, how about a whiskey? <laughs> he loved that. So with this guy, let's say we give uh, a bottle of whiskey every month and he brings us plastic. This guy is my favorite. One of the things that I think is really interesting about this project is how much you guys draw on existing social networks. How did that develop? So when the pandemic happened, we had lockdown everywhere, so I couldn't go to the ports. And they told us, uh, you know, actually, we wouldn't like you to travel to us and come every night or every week or something, because you are not a member, you know, of the local community. You are not there every, every day. You don't know what's going on. So they say, we would really like, you know, to, to have a person from the community to do this work. So this is what we did. This is why we started hiring these people to manage the port. And after we did that, to be honest, our results skyrocketed. We quadrupled the plastic we were collecting because all of these micromanagement issues, you know, they were just getting solved from the local community. Like, we don't have enough bugs. It didn't have to go to the Athens headquarters and then we make a decision. You know, they were just solving it to the spot, at the spot. I'm wondering how you would like to see this project evolve uh, or grow beyond Greece. Our vision is to be able to replicate this process in every part of the world that there is sea and fishermen. Because what we do is a really simple idea. Uh, every fisherman that is using nets definitely collects plastic from the sea. And in most areas of the world, there is not an organized system to take this plastic and integrate it into the circular economy. So we want to work with organizations and communities from all over the world to to replicate the process there. We are already discussing with organizations from Africa and Asia, and we hope that we'll be able to work with the local communities and empower them to, you know, implement this very simple idea. A lot of the plastics that you guys retrieve are fishing related. They're like nets and lines, stuff like that. But you also find plastic from all over the world in the Mediterranean, right? The United States and the EU, they are sending a lot of their material to be recycled to countries in Asia. And lately, you know, there is a collaboration of the United States with Turkey. And there's not enough infrastructure to manage all of this material. So... Over the last years, we are fishing a lot of plastic uh, made in the United States. So maybe, you know, you take your uh, coffee in a plastic cup and you're in New York City. And a couple of months later, maybe we will fish it in the Aegean Sea, the same cup of coffee. It's kind of uh, an interconnected problem. How do you keep from getting overwhelmed by 
the hugeness of the problem, like the sheer volume of plastic waste. In the beginning, I, I, I got this feeling of uh, getting overwhelmed with the Greek economic crisis. I really had become, you know, depressed and stuff. And then I realized that I cannot change the crisis. What I can change is myself. I can change my thoughts and my actions. So this is the philosophy I, I have towards also plastic pollution, that I cannot alone change the problem, but what I can do is change my actions. So I stopped using, you know, single-use plastic, and I have activated my local community to do what they can. When we started just with my father and a few of his friends to bring plastic back, and now we have a thousand fishermen in the Mediterranean, I never would have imagined that in the past. I'm just a person that comes from a small fishing family in Greece. If I can activate the fishermen of the Mediterranean to collect plastic from the sea and prevent plastic from entering there, then I think everybody can mobilize their own communities, farmers, teachers, students, scientists, you know, to do something about the climate crisis. And I believe altogether we we can have a massive, massive impact. Yeah, you've created a really great model that people could start implementing tomorrow. It takes some logistics, but it's not a particularly like technical or challenging thing to do. Not at all. We just need, you know, a recycling partner and a fisherman and that's it. We can start collecting plastic from the sea. You're talking to thousands of people who are like really hungry to make a change and to contribute. Do you have some advice, like just one place people could start or one thing people could do? Start small, start local, start with something that you are familiar with. Start by solving a situation that you don't like, a challenge that you don't like. Start with something like that. And ideally, you have some skills. Every person has some unique skills that you love using them. Start using these skills to solve this challenge. And in this way, uh, this person can, can create a ripple effect in the society, in the local society, and can inspire more people to take action. It strikes me that that's exactly what you did when you were talking to your dad. I almost wonder, <laughs> when your dad was complaining about there not being enough fishermen, was he sort of being like, hint, hint, if only I had a son who would go into fishing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, he was not hinting. He would say to me, quit university. <laughs> you know, every month he would say that to me. What are you studying this and there anyway, you know? And that's why... <laughs> To be honest, my father never liked, you know, my initiative in the beginning. He said, yeah, I find it stupid. Nobody would follow you. The fishermen, they cannot change their minds. You are wasting your time now. But now he loves it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he made me overcome his, you know, disbelief. And that was for the good. And for the things that you said, that uh, this is what, you know, I tell to the people to do something that I, I already done. I don't want to tell the world how to do it. I want to show them how it can be done. I want to show them that everybody can make a change. Like Lefteta said, the problem of plastic waste in the oceans is interconnected. But the good news is that our solutions can be interconnected too. When you let a manufacturer know that you chose their product because it wasn't packaged in plastic, you affect their choices. When you search out a secondhand version of the next thing you need for your apartment, you get something useful with a story. And when you patiently convince a skeptic that banning plastic bags might make more sense for your community, you become teammates. Identify the change you want to see in your home, in your work, in your natural environment, and then think about the choices you have. 
and the things you might be doing that you hadn't even considered were choices. There are no big changes without first steps. There's no denying it. No Denying It, the UN Climate Action Podcast, is produced by UN News and Good To Do Today. Our producer at UN News is Connor Lennon, and Natalie Hutchison is our promo and distribution manager. Our producers at Good To Do Today are Emma Jacobs, Jay Venables, and Rachel Ward. Our managing producer at UN News is Matthew Wells, and our executive producer is Mita Hosali. Keith Frund and Braden Alexander are our audio engineers, and our theme song is by Memory Palace, courtesy of Marmoset. This episode features music from Artlist. Many, many thanks to Julia Barton, Paula Bustamante, Fang Chen, Martina Donlin, Pratishla Jane, Robert Nashovsky, Regina Merkova, June Park, Ezra Sergi, Sam Tracy, Matilda Folino, freesound.org, and the UN Environment Program. Find more stories about climate action from UN News at news.un.org.